know how many of us remember our song. It's been a while. It's your word I believe. Your word is all I need. It's your word I believe. It's your word I believe. Your word. Your word, it's your word I believe. It's your word I believe. Your word is everything. Your word is everything. It's your word. It's your word I believe. Your word. Your word. Lamp unto my feet. Lamp unto my feet. Light unto my path, light unto my path. It's your word, I believe. Your word, your word. One more time. Lamp unto my feet, lamp unto my feet. Can you hear everybody? Light unto your path, light unto my path. It's your word. It's your word I believe. Your word. Hallelujah. Can you hold your neighbor to your left and to your right? Hold your neighbor to your left and to your right. And say with me, Father. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask that we receive insight and revelation into your word. Questions are answered. Doubts are dissolved. Needs are met by the power of the Holy Ghost. And let you try to say, Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So it's the eternal salvation lawsuits. And this is um, day three, the third year. And uh, like I guess I pretty much um, um, give it. Probably give an idea. It's going to be a kind of long series. It's going to take a couple of weeks. I never saw my post yesterday on on the um, number of um, uh, what should I use Bible references um, being projected um, that suggest you saw them. Okay, who else saw them? Okay, uh, I think I was able to come up with approximately about thirty-seven. Yeah, about okay. No, I see your mouth. I, you know, well, you guys were not able to do a pretty good job. I think compilation of everything I got from people participating both online and on site. I'm not sure it was up to ten. Maybe, maybe it's more than ten. So at least I that will help out a little bit because I know that these are questions that people probably do not have the opportunity to ask. So let me ask. So um, basically, um, working on two major factors. The more, um, I, that was what made me to um, select the ones I did most common and most, I use the word technical though, where I really, really meant puzzling, okay, puzzling like in kind of maybe difficult to crack, okay, so there were the two major factors that made me to um, conclude on the ones I selected, okay, so we have a couple of them even in the four Gospels. And we've handled just um, two so far, Jonah, Old Testament, and Matthew 7, um, 21 to 23. I'm to understand Matthew 7 better now. Uh, 21 to 23. Okay. That's beautiful. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so um, last week we we continued from where we um, stopped in the um, first uh, the first hearing, and we're able to see a couple of things together. You know, we got to learn that um, um, the it, the the doctrine of eternal salvation does not proclaim licentiousness. That means it does not proclaim that you can live anyhow. How many of us remember that? Huh? Okay. It does, it, it, it does not um, give you a license to live anyhow and do as you wish. I mean, as you wish, sorry. Um, there's such a thing as living for God. Okay? Not living for yourself. If you saw, you saw how that there is such a thing as um, Christian conduct. You saw that there is such a thing as ministry. Okay? Which you will be judged by. Okay? So there's such a thing as works. Okay? And there's such a thing as rewards. There's such a thing as persecutions. There's such a thing as suffering for Christ. There's such a thing as enduring hardship for Christ. Let me also remember that. I guess I'm not saying strange things. Okay. Uh-huh. I really hope so. Alright. So one thing we're able to see as well is, um, let's see Second Timothy 2 in a moment. And please, we have to be very fast, like I always say. Second Timothy 2, like we saw. I just want to point out something. Second Timothy 2, 2 very fast. Are we there? Okay, it says, Are you therefore my son, verse 1, be strong in the Lord, I mean the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Look at what it says, verse 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. Now that I have said that was no one um, um, engaged in warfare and in, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now it says, also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Can you see that? Okay. You know, I think um, like I said last week, he used the word strike for the masters, right? Okay. He's talking about athletics. You know what? You know what? You're talking about a race. By the way. Okay. So one thing, one thing we were able to see is that what we actually clamor about, I will call the heavenly race, is actually not. It's not, it's actually not a race to preserve our salvation. It's actually not a salvation race. It's actually what a ministry race. Right or right? Huh? Okay, so the heavenly race that you should not be tired of, that you don't go tired. It's not salvation. That maybe you don't go tired heavenly race, so you finally make it. No. It's actually talking about ministry. Okay? Um, and, um, so that you get to the end of it. That is fulfillment. And um, the receiving of rewards. Okay, so we are also were able to see, um, like I said earlier, we you know we saw um, Matthew seven together, and we saw how that uh, you know started by discussed by saying you know, many times we we just lift verses or we just read what we see without caring about context, and that's where we fall into error many times. You know, we saw how that Jesus started by um, giving an instruction to. Enter in by the narrow gate. You remember that, right? Okay. And everything, you know, and we went out and said that well, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. Okay. I, you know, I remember I told you about the double emphasis with Lord, Lord, right? That it denotes that they must, they had, had shared a physical relationship with him. Okay. They um, identified with him in his earthly work. Okay. And um, so we, we saw that it says that not all everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, we enter the kingdom of God, but he that does the will of my Father. Okay, and the will of God is that what they should enter in, okay, via the narrow gate, okay, because that is the, like I said, because narrow is the way that will lead to life, okay, so the will of God is that what you should enter by the narrow gate in order to receive life, because that's the only way into the kingdom, 
okay and we're able to see that together as well okay how uh, that is um um um, in, um insinuates uh, faith in christ jesus so that in john 6 together okay and we also okay so that's so one thing we're able to see even even when we study matthew 7 which i we really need to emphasize is um the need for us for every single one of us okay to always be conscious of whenever he is referring to the direct audience are we all together okay so it's important to always be conscious of when the, the the speaker or writer is referring to the direct audience you know we're not the direct audience in the bible i as many of us have listened to um the bible and the believer and i told us on the the though i didn't say it so explicitly i mean uh, uh, uh explicitly okay there is such a thing as the code code has to do with the message okay being sp- uh, spoken or written then we have the word the encoder that's the person sp- speaking or writing then we have the decoder that's the recipient or the audience okay so in the decoders we have the word the direct decoders who are the people that are spoken to directly for example in john the people did, did did we ever see jesus face to face uh so what we are not direct or the we're never direct audiences okay audience of whatever happened in the bible okay so the, we have the direct audience who are the direct decoders direct audience or direct recipients of the writing and we have both ourselves as what the modern decoders okay we are indirect decoders okay so it's important for us to know when the things that are spoken of are general such that they apply to us and when those things apply just to the direct audience it's important for us to be able to distinguish it's important for us to be able to what to distinguish so like for example when we studied matthew 7 we know we're able to see the um the um what should i use um luke's account of that in luke 13 how that i said that what lord if you know us now you we ate and drank in your presence you taught in our streets that didn't happen to us okay so we see that that does not apply to us does it no it's important for us to be able to what differentiate all right so that will be very helpful even as we continue our study glory to god hallelujah okay so as usual our oath it's time to take our legal oath okay our legally spiritual oath <laughs> all right your bible on your chest and your other hand up can you say with me okay I, and now let me continue let me just start on the premise of the way i started as, uh, from the first week do we all believe that the bible does not contradict itself huh it does not contradict itself right or right okay so we believe that what the bible is consistent all right so that means if there are two conflicting um doctrines both of them cannot be right at the same time right or right okay as long as the bible does not contradict itself right or right okay so you can the bible cannot say jesus is the child of god and another bad say that satan is the child of god right or right okay so it has to be consistent okay can you say with me i believe in the bible i can't hear you i believe in the bible i believe that the bible does not contradict itself i believe that the bible is consistent just as god is therefore i solemnly pledge that i will not conclude on my thoughts and personal opinions but i stand with whichever argument triumphs in the light of well-explained and well-corroborated 
Bible texts. Okay, one more. I choose to let the Bible speak for itself. So help me God. Amen. Okay, so it's, it's, it's not, it is, it is an oath that you are pledging and you have to stand by it. It is a promise that you are going to um, respect the sanctity of God's word and not infuse your own personal opinion. Okay, just like um, a, um, a great scholar of maybe the, I think the 19th century would say, um, um, just like diamond can only be caught by diamond. Okay, that's the same way we should treat the Bible. Okay, let the Bible explain itself. Okay, explain scripture with scripture. So don't infuse your own thoughts, your own ideologies into it. Okay, so let the Bible speak for itself all the time. So uh, once again, I remind our caveat that uh, caveat the uh, um, disclaimer is that if a believer can ever truly lose his salvation, then it must be proven so in the light of well explained and well corroborated Bible texts. Otherwise, the argument is considered invalid and therefore annulled. Okay, when I say annulled, it means disannulled. And it also means rendered void. It means nullified. They, may, they are all synonyms. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, the um, plaintiff has the floor again. And it presents to us another of his arguments as an exhibit. Okay, that the believer can lose his salvation. Don't you know that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, there's somewhere in Matthew chapter 10 that says that he that endures to the end, same shall be saved. So, what are you trying to tell me that a believer cannot lose his salvation? Then what is the place of enduring to the end? Because it's obvious that what you have to endure to the end to be saved. That means if you don't endure to the end, you will not be saved. So, in essence, a believer can lose his salvation. Okay? So, that is the argument of the plaintiff. Matthew 10, verse 22. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, can we um, uh, echo that verse um, of the Bible together? Are we all there? Please, and I want us to be very fast from this minute. Matthew 10, 22. So let's be very fast from this minute. Everybody, um, one, two, go. And you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Okay. So that's the next argument posed to us. So what do we do? Should we give up? Huh? Okay. All right. Um, now, one um, rule that I taught in the um, Exhibit B is, which is the Bible and the Believer, a practical approach to Bible study, is, you know, I, I thought, I, I explained one of the rules as well, one of the rules last week before we examined Matthew 7, how that, um, if there is a part of a portion of an account of an event that was recorded by another person, we should compare the account. Do you remember that? Okay. Now, one other rule, one rule important, very important, which I've um, said, uh, I think I've mentioned earlier already, is always read in context. Okay. Always read in context. So context. I mean, you know, you you are not lifting a verse, you don't see a verse and you don't lift it. That would make it to a, you know, that's one of the, one of the examples, I, one of the first examples I, I got to explain in the Bible and the Believer, Acts, Acts chapter um, 16. 
Paul and Silas, when he says, I believe, and you'll be saved, you and your household. If you just leave that verse, you have distorted the information. But if you read through, so context has to do with what reading through to get the background of the message. Okay? So, um, always read the context, understand the background of the text. Okay? Do not lift the text. Okay? You know, as um, um, a great man of God would say, um, Joseph Prince, he said that if you lift a text out of its context, all you'll be left with is a what? A con. You know what con is, right? You want to talk about pros and cons. Okay? So, that is what happens. You are left with a disadvantage. Okay? You have disadvantaged yourself already. Okay? So, do not leave the text out of its context. Always read in context. So, we'll be doing um, contextual analysis of Matthew 10 verse 22 together in a moment. Are we ready? Are we ready? Glory to God. Okay, so I'll start this way by making um, making something very clear. It's going to be important. I think it's going to be important um, even down the series. Okay? It's for us to understand that the word saved. Okay, that word saved there must always, um, you must always be conscious of the context because it does not mean the same thing every in every part of the Bible. Okay? It does not mean the same thing in every part of the Bible. So it's important for you to understand what is being talked about. For example, let me just take it, before I go into the Bible, let me just take it to a traditional explanation now. Um, um, a car was about to eat someone and uh, uh, Spider-Man carries the person away. As Spider-Man not saved the person. Huh? Is, is, so, as, as Spider-Man has saved the person now, has the person been transitioned from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? As well of that. Okay? So, you see that word, that's not talking about salvation from sin. Okay, so it's better to understand the context every time. Okay, let's, let's brush through a, a number of examples. Matthew 1, 21, very fast. And please let me be very fast. We have a long way to go. Really long way, and I really mean it. Matthew 1, 21, are we there? Okay, very familiar portion of the Bible says what? And he shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. What will he do? For he will save his people from their sins. So is that talking about salvation from sin? Huh? Okay, move to chapter 8. Matthew 8. Very fast. Matthew 8, verse 25. Matthew 8, 25. Matthew 8, 25. Are we there? Okay, that was when... um. Um, they were in the. You remember when they were in the boat with Jesus' disciples, and there was the a tempestuous um, storm and everything. Look at verse um, twenty. Um, okay, let's see verse twenty-three. Let me move on to twenty-three. He says, "When he and uh, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves." A, mo- a moment, please. Okay, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Look at verse twenty-five. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, "Lord." Save us, we are perishing. That is that what is in your Bible? Okay, so that salvation is. I talk about salvation from sin. Okay, is that what it should save them from danger? Okay, so is that the sort of salvation from danger? Move to um, chapter 14. Matthew 14. Are we there? Verse 30. You know, that word save is, um, is a verb in the Greek as well, of course. It's um, sozo in the Greek, so there do. You know, and like I explained, it does not mean the same thing in every part of the Bible. So it's important to pay attention to the context. Matthew 14, verse 30. Are we there? Okay, that was when Peter was walking on the sea to meet Jesus. You remember that? Huh? Okay, and later, because of um, doubt, he began to fall. 
Okay, he began to look at um he began to sing verse thirty says, But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sing, he cried out what? Saying, Lord, save me. Is that salvation from sin? No, that's salvation from danger. Look them Jude chapter five. Jude five. Jude chapter five. So the word save. Sozo. Jude verse five. Sorry, that's it chapter five. Jude verse five. Are we there? It says, but okay. Please be fast. I want us to see it for ourselves. Okay. Jude, the last book for Revelation. Okay. It says, but I want to remind you that you once knew this. Though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. So when, so when God saved the people from the land of Egypt, where their sins washed away. Okay. So that's what saving them from what captivity. Right or right? Okay, so it's all your thing as saving. So it's important for us to understand that the context matters. So look at the word. I want to move to the. So I said that's the verb sozo. I want to move to the noun of the word now, which is salvation. Okay, so teria in the Greek. Okay, so it does not mean s o t r i a. Like I said, it does not mean the same thing everywhere. So it's important to pay attention to the context. Romans one sixteen, Romans chapter one verse sixteen, is a familiar verse. It says what? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So is that talking about salvation from sin? Huh? Do you agree? Are you sure? Move to chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. You at least this should remind you of something I said in the first year in Romans 13. Are we there? Are we there? Verse 11, see what it says, and do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, are you there? Verse 11, for now what our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Can you see there was a believing, but now I said, well, now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So what is Paul talking about here? Huh? The future salvation, which is what? Do you remember that? Huh? Now, you know, I explained in the first three that was when you see um, salvation talking about in the futuristic test, that's still talking about the believer's hope. You know that what it's talking about what? The resurrection of our bodies. Okay, when we will um, have new immortal, incorruptible bodies for, for these corruptible ones. Okay, um, Hebrews 9 28. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. Are we there? Hebrews 9 28. Okay. It says, um, okay, let me read from verse 27. It says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. So is that talking about salvation from sin? Huh? Right or right? Okay, look at what that says. But to those who eagerly wait for him, it will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. That's talking about what the future salvation. Right or right? Okay, that's salvation from the second death. That's what the re- redemption of our bodies. Okay, um, move to um, First Peter one five. First Peter chapter one verse five. First Peter chapter one verse five. Are we there? He says what to um, okay. Look at who are kept by the power of God through faith. For salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Can you see that? Let's talk about what the, the future salvation. 
Hallelujah. Okay, the previous one he, he talked about it in um, verse 9 when it says that um, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, which was prophesied by the prophets. Okay, so the uh, so important to understand that what salvation is not used the same way in every part of the Bible. See one more Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Okay, let me just say this briefly in case there's anyone, in case your phone is not on silent, please put it on silent now. I beg beg you. Yeah, I beg you, I beg of you. (laughs) Okay, Philippians 1, are we there? Verse 12. Are we there? So you understand what he's talking about. Look at it says, so the book of Philippians, uh, Paul wrote this when he was in prison. Are are you with me? He was in prison in Rome. And it says what? Um, um, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. KJV is the word bonds, right? Okay, so you see that what he was in prison, right or right? Do you understand that? Okay, now move to verse 19. Are we there? Are we there? And I says, For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer. Can you see? Is Paul praying for salvation from sin? Salvation from where? From prison. Can you see? In New King James Version, is the word deliverance, okay? Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, you see that what the word saves, salvation, is not used the same way all through the Bible. So, you have to pay attention to the context to be able to understand what is being explained. So, let's move to Matthew 10 now and crack the nut. Matthew chapter 10. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, so let, let's, let's, let's follow up from, from somewhere very convenient that um, the discourse began, um, somewhere very salient. See, um, move to chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 32. Are we there? Okay, now look at what it says. It says, um, and they went out. Okay. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon possessed, and the man was cast out. The mute and the demon, sorry, was cast out. The mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, "It was never seen like this in Israel." But the Pharisees said, "He cast out demons by the ruler of demons." So the Pharisees were accusing Jesus, right, that he was casting out demons by demons. Okay, okay, um, Beelzebub. Okay, now look at verse 35. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest, uh, harvest of truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the love of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power of unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now the name of the twelve apostles, first Simon, Simon, you know that, verse 5, These twelve Jesus um, sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter into the city of, Samari- of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that information, is it for us? Huh? Praise. Is that information for you? That instruction that you should, that you should go to the lordship of the house of Israel. Is that instruction for you? Okay. You see that that instruction was for his direct audience. Okay. Pay attention. He says, and as you go preach, saying, 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now pay attention. So we see that what the context, are you with me? Now the context is that what Jesus was sending them out to preach the kingdom of God. Right or right? So they were going to do ministry. Right or right? Okay, now pay attention. Just follow through. Okay? Now see, he says, now, verse 11, when, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. Can you see that? And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, that, that, when it says the household is worthy, it means if they receive you. You will see that it's going to be cleared. Okay? Now, and when, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, that's if they reject you, let your peace return to you. Look at verse 14. And whosoever will not receive you. Can you see that clear now? Okay? Whosoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. As surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now look at this. Behold, I sent you, I send you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Look at, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Is this talking about persecution? Huh? Huh? Do you agree? Don't forget what we saw last week. What was one thing that comes hand in hand with the ministry? Huh? Persecution. Suffering. Okay? So it says, what well, beware of men, verse 17, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Okay? Follow through. Okay? It says, you will be brought before the governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Look at, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you should speak, or it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now pay attention. Alright? It now says, Now brother will deliver our brother to death. And a father is child. That means even your family members will rebel against you for preaching. Okay? Now, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. So what's the central theme in verse 21? Death. Right or right? Okay? Now says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now say what? But he who endures to the end will be saved. Saved from what? Huh? Saved from what? Saved from death. Now, is that talking about physical, uh, spiritual death or physical death? Huh? Physical death. Now, it's going to make more sense. So, now, so, um, is it that what, um, either endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Don't forget, I said that what fathers or mothers or brothers will what, we, we, um, we rebel against you and put you to death. Even children will rise against their parents, parents will, um, rise up against their children and put them to death. It says, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake, but either endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So, it's talking about, um, he's talking about what salvation from death. It's going to make more sense. So how were they to endure to the end? Now that word endure means to persevere in the Greek. Okay? Endurance. Okay? So how, how were they to endure to the end? You know, he has said that what 
Um, he that endured to the end, verse 22. Are we, are you there? Okay. He that was but he who endures to the end will be saved. Right or right? Huh? Okay. Now, so the question now is, how are they to do that? Look at the next verse. He explains that how they were to go about that. Verse 23. He says, when the persecutor in this city flee to another. Can you see that? Okay. Flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So how are they supposed to, I mean, to endure to the end? You know, to be saved from death. Eh? When they are persecuted, what? Flee to another city. So okay, I said earlier in verse 16, look at verse 16, I, would, I send you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. Look, it says, therefore, be wise as serpents. Can you see that? And harmless as doves. So as harmless as doves, you are not going to retaliate, of course, but would be wise as serpents. You know how to wiggle your way out of the place. Can you see that? Can you see that? Okay, so you see that what either endures to the end, the same shall be saved. It's talking about what salvation from death. Now goes ahead to say in verse 24 that a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's starting to talk about them being um, the ones that he sent and in, uh, in comparison with himself, just like the way they did not receive him and the way they were persecuted him. Okay, okay, so it is in verse 25. For a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master, if they call me the master of the house. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, don't forget they were accusing him of casting out demons by the by demons. Okay, how much will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and even that will not be known. Okay, so see that what uh, when it says what he died just to the end shall be saved, talk about what salvation from death, which is a result of persecution for ministry. Can you see that? If that's clear, let me see your hands. Okay, so as the plaintiff succeeded in convincing us through Matthew 10 22, that we can lose our salvation. Huh? Okay. So, um, you know, one important thing to always know is I believe strongly that, like I think, I think I said that at a point last week as well. You know, from all we have seen so far, the myriad of um, verses that um, are presented as the um, defendants, okay, in um, defense of the um, eternal salvation. Um, as an apologist of eternal salvation, you know, is it's as long as we we believe that the Bible cannot contradict itself, I think it's it's already beyond reasonable doubt already. Don't you think so? Eh? It's already beyond reasonable doubt. But of course, we have to give the benefit of that. That we have to allow the plaintiff to also present his own argument. Okay, that's why we are doing this. Don't forget Romans, Proverbs eighteen, thirteen, and seventeen. Okay. That um, um, you should always hear both sides. Verse 13. That is that um, answers a matter with, without hearing it is shame and fully to him. That answers a matter. Uh, um, and also verse 17 that says that he that presents his cause, that is forced to present his cause in a law, lawsuit, you know, it seems right. When his neighbor comes and what examines him, cause examines. So we allow the plaintiff to have that, um, enjoy that prerogative to cause examine by what showing us as many, bringing as many exhibits as he can. Okay, but one thing that we have to do is that's why that's one of the reasons we took the oath. You know, is it, it, that oath is a pledge of sincerity. That's what it is. I say we will not, we will not, um, we will not depend or conclude on our own personal opinions, on our own thoughts and personal opinions. That's why many times we don't just want to hear what the person wants to say. Calm down and hear what the other say. No, no, no. This, this, that. What do you know? Let's calm down. Calm down. What do you have to say first? You know, you know, many times it just shows it just shows insincerity and pride many a time because 
we will leave clear, like all I've shown, the verses I've shown, like in defense of the eternal salvation, are clear verses that, that show that what this is it. Okay, that the Holy Spirit is in you forever. That what it has, um, the the redemption of our body is a certainty. That um, that Jesus says that what he shall never perish. Anyone that believes in him, that no one shall pluck him out of his hand. Main thing, you will leave clear verses. I mean, they will leave clear verses in pursuit of obscure ones, the ones that are not so clear, but which they think oppose their own mindset. But as long as you agree that the Bible cannot contradict itself. You have to know that only one can be right. You know, many a time when you are patient, you'll be able to see that it is um, those those obscure verses that the plaintiff um, uh, present. If you are patient, you'll be able to see that uh, you'll be able to see what it is really talking about. Okay, and you find that the argument actually crumbles. Okay, crumbles be- beneath the weight of um, clear evidence. Okay, so it does it just needs sincerity. Okay, and paying close attention. Okay, so um, uh, of course the the plaintiff won't give up. It won't. Okay, so um, Matthew chapter twelve. Matthew chapter twelve. I I know it's very familiar. Um, and I, actually, I'm just I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to explain this for a couple of reasons. Um, for a big reason, I'm not going to explain this. Or let me see. I'm not really going to talk about this. Okay, I'll just do a version through, and I will look at verse thirty-one. Are we there? Matthew 12, 31, are we there? 31 to 32. It says, um, therefore I say to you, it's in red letters, okay? I hope it is in your Bible too. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven him, either in this world or in the age to come. So we see that what this is talking about was blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, right? So says that was in case the Christian blasphemes blasphemes against the Holy Ghost, he will not be forgiven. So I, can you tell me that what that what a believer cannot lose his salvation? Okay. So um, the like I posted in yesterday as well, the defendant presents his own exhibits. Okay, and that's exhibit C. Okay, which is your own um, work to to um, pay attention and listen to. That's my teaching on the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost in 2018. Okay, so that's a teaching where this is well explained. So please um, ensure you um, you get this in order to understand it. Okay, uh, ensure you get the teaching. Okay, and listen to the message. Okay, but I will just do a um, brush through because I want to deal with two things at a time as well. You know, there's also there's this verse in chapter ten that says um, that uh, also um, confesses me before men. He will like confess before. My father, before the angels of God, he that denies me before men, I will deny. So I'll just deal with it two at once. Though that teaching is going to be very helpful. So I just want to brush through. Alright, so one thing that is clear is blasphemy from the Greek word though, and even from the context, but from the Greek word as well, um, um, shows that it has to do with words. To blaspheme, you have to speak. Okay? You have to blaspheme. Okay? So it has to do with words. Now, um, now one thing I said in that teaching, which I want to, which I strongly defend, I still want to say something very strong. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the accounts we, we, um, we, um, majored on more was Luke's account of that story. Okay? Mark also recorded it, but we focused a little more on Luke's account. Okay? I gave a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I gave, um, apart from the fact, of Luke's about from Luke's personality and about from the fact that Luke actually wrote more than Matthew 
Mark and John. He goes more than them. Though it's just 21 and 24 chapters in, Matthew, in Mark and so in Luke compared to 28 in Matthew. Okay? But it's not, it's not by number of chapters, it's by number of pages. Isn't it? Okay? Some, you know, some chapters will be very long. Like Psalm 119. Okay? So you know that's not by, by number of pages. But okay, but one thing to know is that, okay, now I, I know um, many scholars, okay, believe right from is um even from the history that um that um Matthew wrote in um, orderly arrangements okay or like Mark because Mark is basically the first person to write their own account of the gospel okay according to history okay but um um uh, it's believed that um like scholars by scholars that Matthew wrote in orderly accounts I mean in order how it happened in sequence okay um however the reason I I stick more with Luke in, in, in number of his accounts, especially the ones that is more detailed, is well detailed about, is because not just did, is, I mean, is it also quite believed that he wrote in sequence? But he himself said it. Look to Luke 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Are we there? Are we there? See verse 1. It says what? In as much, is it for as much in KJV or what? In as much as well, okay? In as, huh? For as much. Huh? Is it in as much or for as much? For as much, aha. Uh-huh. I know I've read KJV, uh-huh. how many years. Okay? In as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative. Look at, to set in what? In order. Can you see that? To set in order. That means what? In sequence. Are you following me? In orderly arrangement, a narrative, a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Okay? So it says, um, um, okay? So it says, um, um, verse 2 and verse 3, just, uh, um, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to us. Okay? It seemed good for me having perfect understanding of these things to write unto you. So it's time to explain to you that what he did, of course, Luke was not part of Jesus' early, um, disciples. Okay, so what he's explaining that what he what he did was an investigation of Jesus' life. Okay, by what making findings. Okay, he went by asking and making findings and was getting his book. Okay, in order. Okay, so it's important to know that. Okay, so move to Luke chapter twelve, where Luke um points to uh to that um um text about blasphemy. Are we there? Now, before that, he has said something earlier. Are we there? Look at verse 8. I'm quite slow today. I'm quite slow, actually. Let's be fast, please. Okay. Ah, what should I do? What should I do within this time? Okay. Luke chapter 12, verse 8. Are we there? It says, And I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Okay, so that's in Matthew 10, 30-33 as well. Okay, one thing we can see is that what the, the confessing or the confessing, try the word confessing or confession, um, which one is more appropriate for this. Okay, let's say the confession now. Or let me do the word confessing now for this um, context now. The confessing and the denial or the denying are via words. 
Why the white? Huh? Why the white? He confesses me before men. So it's not that maybe you are just saying you are confessing before men. So it has something. But look at what he now says next. He now says what? Any, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of the Mighty will forgive him. But him that blasphemes, blasphemes against the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven. Okay? So what? The denial is with words. So we can see that, we can see the connection. How that was the denier actually is the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm just giving you a lot of good background understanding so you'll be able to, so when you listen to that message, it will be easier. Okay? The denial has to do with what? The blasphemy. Okay? The denial is the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Look at what it says in verse 11. It says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues, and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how and what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Can you see? So that means what there's there's a message that will be in their mouth on their lips. Why the white? Why the white? Huh? Okay. So you say that what? Um, so you say that what? The blasphemy will be connected with speaking against the message. Okay, to be connected with speaking against what they will preach. Which, which obviously from that text, verse 12, was going to be inspired by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? I don't want you to miss out. Okay? So the blasphemy will, will, will be connected with speaking against what these people would preach. That was inspired by the Holy Ghost. Alright. So when you get that message, you'll be able to understand better. So I've just give, I just gave a background which I would uh, expatiate a little more. So blasphemy against the Holy Ghost in this context, okay, is done by the man that has refused to believe in Jesus. And it will be clear in that message as well. So you will get a hint when I'm concluding. Okay, it is done by the man that has refused to believe in Jesus. Just like the, the Pharisees did. Okay? So it is not that Jesus, it's not that God is refusing to forgive him. But what he is, re, he is the one that is rejecting the, he is rejecting the forgiveness of sins made available by the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why he can't be forgiven. Okay? Just like in Hebrews 2, verse, verse 3 that says what, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. You know, salvation is like an escape, basically. So you say that, what, how will you escape if we neglect the escape that has been presented to you? Because that's the only one that's available. Okay? Just like I, just like I explained about um, Matthew 7. That what the will of God is that you pass through the narrow gate. So if you don't pass through the narrow gate, there's no other gate. There's no other way into everlasting life, into the kingdom of God. So that's why you will not be able to, that's why he can't know you. Okay, so that's 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 um, what is here. Okay, um, he, the, God has presented the forgiveness in Christ through His sacrifice for our sins. He has presented, He has made it available by Jesus' sacrifice for sins. So if you reject that forgiveness, you can't be forgiven. Why? Because that's the only forgiveness available. Are you following me? Okay, so what is the one that is rejecting the forgiveness made um, um, available by the sacrifice of Christ? But the question now is that is it final? Like it seems to suggest that blasphemy is a lost case. That you blaspheme against the Holy Ghost are as final. There's no hope. So, so the question is that is, is there actually no hope 
for the blasphemer. Okay, we'll just see one verse and we round up. Um, first Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. Are we there? First Timothy chapter one. Are we there? See verse twelve. First Timothy one twelve. It says, Are we there? Let me wait for others. Alright, says what verse 12 says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Because although I was are we together? Who is talking here? Paul to Timothy. Say what he was God counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Are we there? Can we verse 13 together? Everybody want to go. Although I was formerly, I can't hear everybody, verse 13 want to go. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in what? In unbelief. Can you see that? He did that as an unbeliever. Okay? Someone that refused to believe in Jesus. See that was, I was, um, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. So that means what? Even a blasphemer could, can obtain mercy. Right or right? When he accepts the mercy available that is presented to him, look at it says, but, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now follow through. Now says what? And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Let's see whether it is possible that it applies to others as well. It says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Can you see that? That means I am one of the ogres. Okay? Now says in verse 16 that what? However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern. Can you see the word pattern? To those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Can you see that? Can you see that what he used the word pattern? That what happened to him is going to be what is a pattern. Can you see that? So that means what um, is a pattern for others as well. Whether they are blasphemers as well. Are you with me? That was so it shows that what once they believe, they will also want to receive everlasting life, just like any other person. Right or right? Okay? And thank God Paul is a perfect example. Okay? Not that Jesus said he was a blasphemer, I said that he was a chief of sinners. Hallelujah. Okay, so when the blasphemer even believes in the gospel, chooses to place his faith in Christ Jesus, he, was, he receives the benefits that every other believer receives. Like I, like I sang on the first day. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus our pardon receives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear it. Everybody, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. And come. And come to the Father through Jesus. The Son and give him the glory 
and give Him the glory, great things He has done. So you see that it's an, it's an invitation that was come to the Father through Jesus the Son. So even if you are the vilest offender, if you truly believe in Jesus, you will receive a pardon instantly. That moment from Jesus, the pardon received. And I think that pardon means forgiveness. Hallelujah. Okay, I, I believe you have an idea of the two already, right? That um, confessing Jesus before men, denying Jesus before men, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Okay, so go ahead and listen to the message and it's going to get clearer. So, beautiful. So, um, Matthew chapter 24. The plaintiff goes ahead. Matthew 24. It's the same thing we saw earlier in um, or something very similar. So we, we saw um, uh, in Matthew 10. Okay, just that we want to pay attention to the text. Not just because, not just because of the, the verse there, but because I, I promised someone that we would study uh, this together to an extent. Matthew 24. You remember? Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> then, okay. Verse 13. Okay, it says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. All right. Okay, because of time, I would just want to do some, I want to skip some things that I wrote down, but I will make sure I'm, I cover as much as I should at the same time. Uh, let me see how well I can kill two birds with a stone. All right. So look at chapter 23. Okay, chapter 23, I, I won't, I won't um, read through, I'll just pick out some verses because of time. Okay, so we see Jesus reprimanding the scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy and unbelief. From, from the, for the whole of chapter 23, you see from verse 1, it says, What well, Jesus spoke to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees eat and Moses said, Therefore, whatever they tell you to to observe, they observe, I mean, that observe and do, but, okay, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, observe and, that observe and do, but do not according to their works, for they say and do not do. I think they use the word do not. Can you see that? So that is far question, right or right? Huh? Okay, so it goes ahead talking about them. Look at verse 13. Now says, what go to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves. Can you see that they are not saved, right or right? For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. It says, Woe to you, scribes and, and Pharisees, hypocrites. You devour widows' um, houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel and see to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a, a son of hell. I think it is what child of hell, right? It's child of hell as yourself. Can you see those things that were used? Okay, many things, many things. Um, look at verse 23 of uh, 25. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of extortion and self-indulgence. It says, Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside of them will be cleansed also. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones, and all on, on um, cleanliness it says, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Can you see that? It says what? Uh, what to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the 
tombs of the prophets and adorned the monuments of the righteous, and say if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. You know, the, 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 the fathers, their forefathers did not believe in the, in the message of the prophets. That's why they persecuted them and killed many of them. Are you following me? But these people were saying that what if we were there, we would not have done the same thing. But it's quite a word, hypocrites. Are you following me? And you see, you follow that because they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in John, who spoke before him. Now they believe in Jesus himself. Okay? Now verse 31 says, Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves, that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of earth? Therefore indeed I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and what? Crucify. And some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and prosecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Okay, that was the last boy that was killed before the 400 silent years. Then John the Baptist came. Okay, and he was also killed as well <laughs> by Herod. Okay, and it says what? Um, whom you, okay, and it says, as surely I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Now look at verse 23. And 26. It will come upon what? That means he's that means he's talking about to the direct audience he's speaking to. Okay? Or the direct audience is referring to this direct generation, that generation of tribe and Pharisees. Alright. Now look at now this is where it begins to connect very um, much clearer. It says much um, clearly, he says, Oh Jerusalem. Now Jesus is lamenting because they didn't believe in him. Now it says O Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as her hands gathers her cheeks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God, he was speaking in the temple. Now he was not leaving. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. They to show him how fine, decorated, the beauty of the temple and everything. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? No, Jesus just lamented over Jerusalem. Right or right? Okay. That says, okay. Now says what? Do you not see these things? Verse 2. And surely I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Can you see that? So Jesus is what is the prophecy about what the destruction of the temple that will be destroyed as mighty as it is to be destroyed that one stone will not be left upon the other. That's to show how, how completely it will be raised down. Okay. All right. Now I want you to know this. Okay, that this prophecy I'm just telling you before and do I think I've explained it on two occasions before. I think I want to explain it maybe in 2017 or 2018. And I know I spent it this year as well, you know, during the early earlier Bible discussions before the lockdown. All right. So this prophecy, don't forget, Jesus said that what all those things that he said about the prime of Pharisees will happen to that generation. Right or right? Now Jesus now said that what do you not see this thing that what not one stone will be left upon the other that will not be thrown down. Okay. Now you know what this prophecy was fulfilled. Now, when Jesus was speaking this, this was just a few moments before he was crucified. Before he was arrested and crucified. This was basically around, approximately around 30, 30 AD, thereabouts. Are you following me? 
This prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD. Okay, AD means anon domini. Okay, and okay, so it was fulfilled in 70 AD. Okay, that time, um, Nero, I think Nero, Nero had died in 68 AD, thereabouts. I think he was rumored to maybe come to his head, you know, maybe something like that. Because there was, there were a lot of, you know, this, um, uh, what they call this thing that happened among the military. Cool, uh, these things that were happening, there were a number of things. Because between, between that 68 AD and 70 AD, they were, they were, they were, the, the person that was already emperor, um, Vespasian, Vespasian, between that 60 AD and 70 AD, between Nero and Vespasian, they were the three. And normally, Emperors usually are usually there for a long time. Okay? Now, so, um, it was fulfilled in 1780 when, um, Titus allowed his son, I mean, sorry, best person allowed his son, Titus, to go with the army. And, you know, there was, um, there was, there, after, after the, the Jews had endured many years of, of, um, antagonism by the, okay, I, I got to explain that to an extent as well in the War of Faith, um, examining the church in the fourth century AD. Okay, in three, three weeks teaching last year in Ife as well. Okay, after enduring several years of antagonism by the, the Romans, because Jew, then the Jews, where Israel was, was part of the Roman Empire. Okay, they have Israel, there was Samaria, there was, um, um, other places upward, Cappadocia, Pisidia, Athens, where there's Corinth. And um, other places, we have Macedonia where there was Philippi, Thessalonica, and other places. There was Asia where there was Ephesus, Colossae, um, Laodicea, and every other place. Then we had many places like that. Okay. Then we had um, um, towards the north, Italy itself, where Rome was. Okay. So um, those places were the Roman Empire because it was, it was the Romans that conquered that territory. So the Jews were also under. The Roman Empire. That's why they were also under, they were always under Caesar. They were always mentioning Caesar. Are you following me? Caesar. That time it was Caesar Augustus earlier. Okay. Then over and over. Okay. So, um, um, after enjoying, so they were, they were actually not liked. Something like that. To an extent, I explained that as well in the teaching in 2018 on John 316. Okay. The Jews and Nicodemus dialogue. And I explained on what was happening and how that the, the, uh, this, um, Caesar put a king over the Jews, there is no a Jew, a Herod, okay, and something like that, okay, because uh, they were, so there were a lot of antagonism, they were not enjoying this that were happening actually, they actually wanted freedom, they wanted to revolt and everything, okay, so after enjoying um, several years of antagonism by the Romans, okay, they, the Jews finally revolted, okay, and a lot of that, they were actually not strong, they, they went through seven years, seven major, seven major years of tribulation, which they were really dealt with. Then finally in 70 AD, okay, and Titus came with the troop of Roman army. They came to what destroy. Okay? They besieged Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, like completely every stone, just like Jesus said, there was no stone left upon the other. Everywhere was raised down, as mighty as the temple was, and everything that was there, and it was desecrated and destroyed and Millions of Jews were slaughtered. Okay? 
Okay, so that is basically, and I am giving you, so it's your responsibility to read on history, okay, 70 AD, the, the, the fall of Jerusalem or destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, just do your best to read on that. Okay, don't forget what, what, what one important clincher, that one important point that what Jesus said is what, this generation, do you remember that? Okay, so that means they were going to witness what he was saying. Okay, now let's go ahead. Look at, so Jesus said in verse 2 again, that surely I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. Don't forget, he has said something. Are you with me? So they were, they now wanted to, they wanted to inquire a special, uh, party with Jesus. They wanted to inquire that Jesus tell us when these things will happen. So he said, tell us when these things, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay? That's verse 3. Okay? Now, how do you know that word age there means dispensation? So when you say, okay, okay, KJV is the word world, end of the world. How do you know the word, that word, don't worry, in subsequent teachings and one of our teachings as well in, in December, you get to understand very well, you know, that word word does not always mean the old, I mean that the world is coming to an end. It means dispensation. For example, you know there was, uh, there was something, uh, something called uh, maybe rocket age, there's the jet age. That's called dispensation. There was stone age. Thank you very much. Are you following me? It's talking about dispensation of a, maybe evolution caused and every other thing. Are you following me? So that's what it means. So that's what's going to be the end of this age or the end of the world. Talk about what that dispensation. Okay, so um, so he says that what um, so um, it says um, tell us what will be the sign of the coming and the end of the world. Okay, so the consummation of that dispensation, that word end there means consummation in that verse, in that verse three. So the consummation of that dispensation would be in the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. Okay, that the temple would be destroyed. Right or right? Okay, so they wanted to know when that would happen. So when Jesus are told him that well, this something is going to be destroyed and everything, so they wanted to know when it will happen. So that means what well, that is going to mark the end of a dispensation. Are you following me? Okay, because that is going to lead to the end. Okay, I know many of us are not used to the war of faith, but I think that's one of the that's the exhibit D that was presented. So it's also very very salient. One of my most historic historical teaching. I think I even taught you I taught the map as well. Okay, so if you want to get that teaching. Okay, so um, where, the, where was I? Where did I stop? Okay, so I said that what um, Jesus said that um, the the temple was going to be destroyed. Okay, so the consummation, the end of that age. Okay, what was going to mark the end of that age was the fulfillment of that prophecy, because that was good. The destruction of that temple was going to bring an end to Judaism. Are you following me? So that is an age. Okay, so they wanted to know this thing. So they were they were inquiring to know when would do that when would that would happen. Okay, so this what they said was also described as the what the sign of his coming. By the right. Okay, so now I want to find out by a careful study as we follow to thank God you have an idea already, by the right. Okay, but I want to find out whether that word sign of his coming used in this context, in this text, whether it is literal or metaphorical. Okay, but now the final. So is it, is it talking about the second coming of Jesus? Okay, so is it literal as in talking about the second coming of Jesus or metaphorical? 
So we'll find out together. Okay. But let, let's see, let's see, um, Max, Max, the way Max, Max said it in his own account in Mark 13. You could just use a footnote, your, uh, your bookmark to, there's a footnote, sorry, your bookmark to, um, to all the Matthew 24 and see in a moment. Mark 13, are we there? I think we might end up stopping here because this one is going to be longer. I think I will, I will be a little com comfortable stopping here though. I need to be very fast because God knows how many weeks we'll have to cover all, all the things I wrote down. <laughs> at least, you all know, at least, <laughs> it's already clear that Bible study is not a, it's not a tea party stuff. It's not a casual thing. I just open Bible now. Uh -uh. Mm. Understand? You see, that is deep. <laughs> okay, you see that Bible study is beyond that, so just calm down. So look at how Mark, Mark um, um, look at Mark's edition in uh, Mark 13. Are we there? Mark 13 verse 4. Look how they ask the question. Mark's remission of that question. It says, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Can you see that? This is that they didn't talk about his coming here. I'm, I'm only buttressing the fact that they mean one and the same thing in this verse. But we are going to go ahead, okay, to, to find out from the text. Look at Luke's rendition of that. Luke chapter 24. To, uh, 21, Luke 21, Luke chapter 21, and please let me fast because this is actually a long teaching, long explanation, so please let me fast. Luke 21, are we there? See verse 7, look at the way they ask the question according to Luke's account. It says, so they asked him saying, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Can you see that? This identical bar is coming here. Because it is, it is obvious, it's obvious that their question was in response to Jesus' earlier statement. Are you following me? And Jesus' earlier statement was not about, about a second coming. That I'm coming to give rewards. I will cast people on this. That was not Jesus' earlier statement. Their question was in response to that. Okay, but we want to go ahead and find out whether um, his coming that was used in Mark 24 is um, literal or metaphorical. Okay, but I think we have a good idea already. So let's follow through. So look at verse 4. Now Jesus now answers their question. You know, want to know what's the sign of the end of this age. So that was when these are coming, they will have an idea that, okay, this is the fulfillment already before our eyes. Okay, pay attention. Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And deceive many. And you will hear of wars, verse 6, and the rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now the word end, as used in verse 6 downward, is a different word than the one, from the one we used in verse 3. The word end here in verse, from 3 downward, I mean 6 downward is the Greek word telos, T-E-L-O-S, which means fulfillment. Are you following me? It means fulfillment. Okay, so when he says that what see that you are not told before this thing must come to pass, but the fulfillment of what I just said is not yet. So those things are just things that are just a means. Okay, they are just things that will begin to give you an idea. Are you following me? An inkling that these things are uh, at the doors already. Okay, so you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Okay. Now, so those things happen. Wars, rumors of wars, they happen very well. Apart from that. Um, I, I also talked about the fact that there was a, what do they call it, 
what was the word? I've forgotten the word again. Cools, okay? I thought about the father, well, cools as well, okay? So those things happened, okay? Now, verse 7 now says, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Can you see that? So those things are going to happen. Um, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Now look at one example to know that it was fulfilled. Look at Acts 11. Acts chapter 11. I guess it's familiar, but I want to just point it out for us to see. Are we there? Acts 11. We'll be back to Matthew in a moment. Acts 11 verse 27 says, And in these days, now this was around early 40 AD. I think 40 something AD, early 40. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine. KJV is the word dirt, right? D-A-R-T-H, right? That's the word famine, okay? Throughout all the world, look at which also happened in the days of what Claudius Caesar. Can you see? So it happened in history. I mean, in Bible history. Like in Bible documentation as well. Okay? So, so it says that you will hear of, so there will be earthquakes, there will be pestilences, there will be famine. Those things happen. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. But the end is not yet. Don't forget, I said that earlier. Now it says, verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Are you with me? I want you to look at your Bibles. They will deliver you to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Yes. And then many will be offended. Don't forget verse 9. Verse 9 says, Well, they will deliver your tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated of all nations by an Is that similar to what we saw in Matthew 10 about persecution? Right or right? Okay. He now says what? And then they many will be offended and betray one another, and we hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness we are bound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Don't forget, I explained earlier how to endure. When those things happen, and you are persecuted in one city, what are you to do? Flee to another. Okay. So, that is what, look at, so when it says flee to another, it didn't say flee to another to I do. When they are persecuted in this city, leave them, flee to another city, continue preaching there. If they are you there, flee to another. Okay, that's why it now says verse 14 that words, and this gospel of the kingdom, verse 14, are you, are we, okay, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. Okay, end means what's fulfillment will come. Okay, so what does it mean when it says that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom would be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations? We have to pay attention to that as well because that's something that gets us thinking, doesn't it? All right. Um. Hey, let me see. Okay. Let's see. Let's use your bookmark as well and just focus on some um, some references, some silent references. Romans ten. Romans ten. Romans ten. Are we there? Verse thirteen. Romans ten thirteen. Are we there? Are we there? Okay. He says what? For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See verse 18, very important. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to where? Toward all the earth. And their words to what? To the end of the world. Does that sound like similar to what we saw in Mark, uh, Matthew 24? Huh? That what the gospel will be preached, you know the word. Okay, as a witness to the nation. Okay, let's, um, let's see some other places. Um, see, um, Okay, so I want you to know that what, when it says um, shall be preached, it, it does not mean that it's not actually saying that directly that it should be preached to every single person. Okay, but it's saying that what the message would have been would have um, traveled already. Okay, let me see how long I have. Okay, so the message would have spread to every place. That is that what he's saying. Are you following me? So he's not trying to say that well, maybe everybody must have heard the gospel because no matter how you try, no matter how you try. A new baby who can never hear it. <laughs> okay, so he's not talking about everybody. Okay, he's saying, he's saying that what the gospel would have spread to all the world, to every nation in the world, basically. Okay, see Colossians one. The father seems to suggest that it is everybody, but just understand, understand that he's talking about it spreading to location. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, it says what? Um, um, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also where in all the words. Can you see that? And is bringing forth fruit. Can you see that? Okay, move to verse 23. He says what? If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven. Can you see that? Can you see that? Of which I, Paul, became a minister. Okay? So, so it is clear that that, that was fulfilled in the first century. Are you following me? Okay, so that, that, that ideology that is about the second coming of Jesus, that the gospel, that the end cannot come yet because, I'm um, just cannot come yet because the gospel has not entered every city and everything, is not actually the, the, the discussion here. <laughs> it's actually not what is being discussed here. Okay? Just follow through. We are following a step at a time. So we are still in verse 14. Okay? Now verse 15. Are we there? Are we there? It says, therefore, don't forget, pay attention to the word therefore. So it shows that what it is is not starting a new thought. Are you following me? It's not starting a new discussion. Are you with me? Are you with me? Huh? Huh? Okay. The word therefore means it's not starting a new discussion. Okay. It's following up from somewhere. Right or right? Huh? Okay. It says therefore when you see verse fifteen. <laughs> Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, 
Now says, whoever reads, let him understand. Look at the way it sounds himself. When you see something, it's, it's obvious that it's, it's, it looks like he's talking to the direct audience. And when you see this thing, you should know that it's coming. Are you following me? Okay, but just follow. See that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, number one, many of us never know what the abomination of desolation is in the first place. So it's not going to be able to understand what he's talking about. Okay, spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. This whoever reads, let him understand. Now, what is the abomination of desolation talking about? Okay, Daniel spoke about it in number, I think he said something connected to that in number of times, I think in chapter 7, 11, 21. But I want to use Daniel 11. I think I said that's 7, 11, 12, 7, 11, 12, I guess. But I want to focus on chapter 11, verse, um, um, imagine, see what I even wrote. I wrote 21, yeah, I know it was 31, I wanted to write. But I know I still read it yesterday. Okay, Daniel 11, 31. Should I say this? Okay, I can say this in passing as well. Okay, Daniel eleven thirty one. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, it says what and forces. Now these are this this was this was a, a prophecy of Daniel. At least a number of you have listened to the uh, were there when I uh, thought on on the visions in Daniel. Some of the visions, three visions in the book of Daniel on the significance. Right, right. You remember, right? Okay, okay. So um, now this is one of them. It was a prophecy. Okay, I talk about you. Remember when I talk about Antiochus Epiphanes of the Greece of Greece and everything. Okay, now basically look at verse thirty-one. Let's just come back. Let's come back now. Let's come back. <laughs> Let's come back now. Are we there? Okay, it says and forces shall be mustered by him. Look at and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination. Of desolation. Can you see that? Well, how is it in KJV? The abomination that causes this, that make it desolate, right? Okay, that's what the abomination of desolation. Can you see that? That is familiar time with what we saw in Matthew 24. Okay, now let me just say this briefly in passing. Sir. Look at verse 32 that says what? Those who do wickedly against the covenant, they will corrupt with flattery. That means those that do against wickedly, the person that is coming with this abomination of desolation, he will corrupt them with flattery. This says, but they that know their God, Shall be strong and do exploit. That does not con- connect to Christianity. Doing preaching the gospel, you know, going to church, serving God, you know, worshiping blah, 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 for Jesus and everything. How does it? Actually, in, in, in the, the word, if you see, check your Bible very well. For but for some people that cannot, maybe some people that cannot differentiate it, italics yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you see that there are exploits in italics, isn't it? <laughs> huh? What is it? Okay, yours is um, uh, what version is that? Uh, thank God, uh, thank God, it's not KGB. So you see that word, you see the word take action. That word is there, right? So the word is do. They shall be, they shall be strong and do. What means that those people that do wickedly, that person that is coming with the abomination of desolation, that is going to uh, desecrate the holy place, sanctuary, is going to come up there with flatteries. For those that know their God, they will be strong, they will stand their ground, and they will take action against him. That means they will, they will not agree with him. Are you following me? That's what it means. <laughs> Can you see that? Okay. So let's go back to our focus of discussion now. Verse 31 again. See that what? He shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. I think I'm going to make a post on that though. 
Hopefully. Okay, so can you see the word abomination of desolation here? Huh? The abomination that make it desolate. Right or right? Okay? Don't forget, it said, Jesus said that what was spoken by Daniel the prophet. You remember, right? Okay, move back to uh, Matthew 24 now. Okay, so when, when he said this, look at verse, 30, uh, verse um, 15 again. This is that what, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, ah, please be fast. Oh, verse 15, go oh, here yeah, for us to manage this time well. Spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. So, it's not saying that Daniel was standing in the holy place when he said this. It's that what, when you see this abomination in the holy place, just like was spoken by Daniel. You know, Daniel mentioned the word sanctuary. Okay, so he said that well, when you see, because abomination of desolation, he's talking about defiling the temple. Are you following me? So when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, just like was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, whoever reads, let him, let him understand. Now I want you to know this. Um, what happened is that the I'll get to talk about this later when we move into the episodes too. I think from next week we'll move into the episodes. I think by next week, ah, from next week, I don't even know where we're going to move to. We still have a, a number of them to cover in the four gospels. So let's see. Okay, but when we get to the episodes, I will get to Corinth. I would, I would talk about that for next time as well. So in Jewish, so um, um, in Judaism, basically, um, the the the, the temple. Please pay attention. I don't want anybody distracted. Okay. In Judaism, the temple is defiled. Okay? When a strange thing is brought to it, when a strange or unclean thing is brought to the temple, that temple has been defiled. Are you following me? Just like what happened in um, Leviticus or Numbers 10. When um, um, Nadab and Abihu, they offered profane fire before the Lord. What happened? They were defiled the temple. Are you following me? That's what a defilement. Are you following me? So when something um, um, strange or unclean is brought into the temple, you have defiled that temple. Are you following me? And one thing that happens is that um, the Roman army, whenever they were going for war, they would always go with something like a statue of their God. Are you following me? So wherever they go, they will always be with it. So taking that to the temple has defiled the temple already. Are you following me? The abomination of desolation. But it's going to make more sense as you follow. Just pay attention. All right. Okay. See, see, um, see my Mark 13, Mark account of that in Mark 13. If I can say it's very important to always compare accounts. Just because of time, I would have, I would have probably want to read through everything as well. So. But let's see, Mark 13, verse 14. See Mark account, verse 14. See that word. So when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, look at what he says. Standing where? Ah, hey, Mark 13, Mark 13, are we there? Mark 13, verse 14. I'm trying to beat the time off. I just pray you guys will know that. Because I have to finish Matthew 24. Because let me tell you the fact. According to my plan, I thought we were going to even move to Another one today. That was the plan from what I wrote here. But from what I wrote here, even finishing Matthew 20, this Matthew 24 service is kind of, I don't know. But let's see how, how, how fast we can be. Verse 14, Mark 13, 14. Are we there? Yes. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing where? 
Can you see? Can you see what defilement means? It ought not to be there. But you put it there. Can you see that? Okay? Let the reader understand. Look at Luke's uh, um, account of that. Luke 21. Verse 17. Luke 21, 17. Luke 21, verse 17. Are we there? I don't want to point out some things before I now land there. It says what? And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Don't forget, I talk about persecutions. Ah, this will be fast. Hey. Let's see you. Are we there? Are we there? It says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Look at, but the head of your, the hair of your head shall not be lost. But your patience possess your souls. So that's what it means that you are not to the end of the day. Are you following me? Now says what? But when you see, look at the way he put it in, in Luke's account. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the desolation is near. Can you see that? Can you see that that's a further explanation? That what he's talking about them being surrounded by the armies. Okay, they are going to desolate, desecrate the place. Okay, so move back to Matthew's account now. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, are we there? Matthew 24. Verse 14. Are we there? Look at what it says. It says, and, oh, verse 15, sorry. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, that means people are going to see it. Right or right? It's direct audience. Spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Look at, then, when you see what should happen, your response is that what? Then, look at your Bibles, please, verse 16. Don't miss this. Then, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Can you see that? When you see that, that is a sign. Don't forget, I already said that what, when the gospel is preached to the words, then the end will come. That's a fulfillment. So the fulfillment is predicated upon what? The surrounding of Jerusalem by the armies. The abomination of desolation. So once that happens, what should you do in response? Those that are in Judea should do what? They should flee to the mountains. Are you in Judea? Okay, so it's better to just know that he's talking about a direct audience. Okay? Okay? Because let's say, let's say, let's say it can even, let's say you want to even try to make it apply to us. Yeah, which mountain you want to flee to from here? Let's say something happens now. Here's the mountain here. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we are here. So you take a bus when you are surrounded by armies. <laughs> which bus? There won't be movement in the first place. Okay, let's just follow. So he said, what? Let, so the rest one is that word, verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Are we there? That is what? Let, him who is on the housetop, not go down to take anything out of his house. Can you see? The rest one is to flee immediately to the mountains. So what he that is on the housetop should not go back to take his, uh, um, to take anything out of his house. Verse 18. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Can you see that? Is that does that look like second coming of Jesus? <laughs> Just follow. Now says, but woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Why? Because they will not be able to run. Are you with me? Yes. A pregnant woman, how does she want to do the boat? To the, and if, even if she wants to run, how does she want to run upwards in the mountain? Okay? Okay? Or nursing mothers. Okay? In those nursing babies in those days. Now look at verse 20. Say that was, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter. Because in the winter, what will happen? They will be missed. You may not be able to see clearly. And it should not be what in the Sabbath. You can go to Jewish practice, it's going to be locked on Sabbath day. And everything. Are you following me? Because he's, he's talking to people that believe in him. At least to an extent, or that are following him. 
they are not the Jewish authorities. They will lock the gate. <laughs> okay? They don't care. Because they feel that that's where they will be safe in the first place. Not only that, what the only safety is by what following the instruction to flee to the mountain. Okay? So pray that your, it may not be on the Sabbath as such one, for there will be great tribulation, so shall have not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor ever shall be. Look at, and unless these days are shortened, look at, no flesh would be saved. Can you see that? Whether you endure to the end, if these days are not shortened, you will not be saved. Is that what? But for the elect's sake, these days will be shortened. Okay, that's it. Then, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Look at, when, look at this, something that says, See, I have told you beforehand. Can you see that? It's talking to the direct audience. Can you see that? See, I have told you beforehand. So when this happens, hey, don't forget. Don't think twice. Look at verse 26. That says, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, is in the look is in the desert, do not go out. Look, or look is in the inner room, do not believe it. For as look at that says, for as the light and now we're going to clear some things that we are going to look a little more falsely now. This is for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And that seems to look like, is he, is he, is he juxtaposing what will happen to that generation with the second coming of Jesus? Okay? So he said that was, for as the lightning comes from the east and from flies to the west, so also will the Son of Man be. But one thing I've explained earlier is that what the coming of the Son of Man that is used here is used metaphorically to, the, to talk about the judgment that will happen to these people. But we're going to butter it a little further. Okay? So it's going to get clearer. That is what, so, so when it says the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, I think it used the word shineth. Eh? Shineth. Ah, you can't even remember what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, I know it's KJV. Okay. So that word, and shineth to the west. What does it say in your version, verse 27? Okay, shines. Still use the word shines. Okay. So he's talking about lightning. So he's trying to say that word is going to be sorting. Are you following me? Okay, now that what so with the coming of Solomon in verse 28 says, For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Christ is talking about the, 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 the what, what they call it, mass massacre. Thank you very much, mass slaughter. Can you see that? Where the carcass is, where the eagles will be gathered together. Okay, now to some places to crack now, verse 29. Now it says, Immediately. Okay, so if that's mass, like I said earlier, you know, millions of Jews were killed. Okay, many of them were killed because many of them tried to look for how they were going to escape. Those that did not, that did not know about this instruction, they tried to find out their own fine ways to escape, but you know, they just couldn't. All right, um, but um, those that heard the instruction and obeyed survived. All right, now look at verse 29. Are we there? Let me see, okay? 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, it's getting confusing to an extent that, I would say this is not the coming of Jesus. No, don't forget, to an extent, this is a little digression already. We have, we have dealt with Either the earth shall be saved. But I just need to explain this. Okay. 
Okay, that is not even a little digression because it's actually taking much time. So it's a well, it's what is study though. Okay, now this looks like verse twenty-nine. Looks like how this looks like supernatural event. So how we think that he's not talking about the second coming of Jesus? But I want you to know that these these words that were used in verse twenty-nine. Okay, they are actually is um, actually a use of words. Just like we saw last week, I talked about Hebraism last week. Okay, this is actually a use of word in Hebraism as well. Okay, that the Jews were familiar with. Um, Hebraism is H E B R E I S M. You want to say Hebraism? I'm talking about connected to Hebrews. Okay, Jews. Okay, so it's a, it's a use of word that Jews were familiar with. Okay, use. Uh, okay, we will see a couple of them. See Isaiah very fast. If you just use your bookmark to hold that um, down and let's see Isaiah 20. Um, Isaiah 13, sorry. Isaiah 13. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, it says what? The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. So this is the prophecy against where? Huh? Okay, this is a prophecy about the judgment of Babylon. So let's follow that through. See um verse six. That's a prophecy about the destruction of Babylon. See verse six. Are we there? Okay, it says, Well, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Can you see that, that even that destruction is called what? The day of what? The day of the Lord. Can you see that? Okay? So it is it's not and of course you're not talking about the second coming of Jesus yet, because even the first coming has not even happened. Are you following me? Okay. The day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. See um, verse um, verse seven. Okay. So the day of the Lord is um, symbolic for judgment uh, on that nation. That was symbolizes so the day of the Lord there in that context. Symbolizes judgment on that nation. See verse seven it says, "Therefore all hands will be limp, and every act will melt, and they will be afraid." Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman, as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces um, will be like flames. I don't know why I'm missing this. Okay, verse ten now says what? Look at verse ten. Are we there? It says for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Is that similar to what we saw in Matthew twenty-four? Can you see? Even in the destruction of Babylon, this was said was as was as something that was going to happen. Look at verse 15. It says what? Everyone who is found will be thrust to how many people will be killed with the sword. And everyone who is captured will fall by the sword. See verse 17. It says, Behold, I will stir the murders against them. So that means what this is talking of Babylon will be what by the murders. Can you see that? Oh, we know we guard um, Siva, and as for gold, they will not delight in it. See verse 19. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the child's pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you see that? So we see that, well, those, that those words, the stars, constellation, and everything, they are metaphorical. Are you following me? They are not actually talking about supernatural events. Are you with me? Okay, let's see another example. Move to chapter 34. Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34. Isaiah chapter 34. 
Okay, this is a prophecy about the discovery of another place called Idumia. So let's see it together. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, look, I says, Come near, you nations, to hear and heed you people. Let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all things that come from, forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations and is fury against all their armies. He, will, he has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to the slaughter. Also, their slain will be thrown out and their stench will rise from their corpses. Don't forget, just like similar what we saw in Matthew 24, I said, what we the where the carcasses are, the birds or the eagles we gather. Alright? Okay, but we'll see that more. Let's follow. It says what? And their things will be thrown up and their stench will rise from their corpses. Look to your Bibles, verse 3. And the mountains will be melted with their blood. Look at verse 4 now. Are we there? Are we there? It says, All the hosts of heaven will be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine, and as the fruit falling from a fig tree. For my sword will be baited in heaven. Indeed, it will come down on Edom. I think it's Edomia in KJV. Right? Okay? And on the people of my curse for judgment. So those things are actually figurative. They are metaphorical for judgment. Can you see that? So it's not actually talking about something supernatural. See, um, I, I under just one more. Ezekiel. Chapter 32. Ezekiel 32. And this is about the prophecy about the destruction of Pharaoh and Egypt. By Ezekiel the prophet. Ezekiel 32. Are we there? Are we there? He says, And it came to pass in the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for who? For who? Verse 2. For who? For Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Can you see that? So this was a prophecy about the destruction of Pharaoh and Egypt. Are we together? Okay, look at verse 4. Are we there? No, it says what? Then I will leave you on the land, and I will cast you out of the open fields, and cause you to settle on, and set, cause to settle on you all the birds of the heavens, and look at, and with you I will fill the beasts of the whole earth. I see, talk about the birds of the heavens. Carcasses, birds, see that? It says, um, I will lay your flesh on the mountains, and, the, and fill the valley with your what? That's similar with Matthew 24. Okay, now it says what? I will also water the land with the flow of your blood into the mountains and the river beds will be full of you. When I put out your light, I will cover the heavens and look at verse 7. When I put out your light, look at, I will cover the heavens and make its stars dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud and the moon shall not give a light. Can you see that? And the bright light of heaven I will make dark over you and bring darkness upon your land, says the Lord God. Can you see that? That's figurative. It happened. Okay, look at verse 11 now. No, don't forget, this is a prophecy against what Pharaoh and Egypt, right? Look at what is now saying in verse 11. See, for thus says the Lord God, the sword, are you, are you with me? Say what? The sword of the king of Babylon shall come upon you. Can you see that? So that means it was even Babylon that was going to destroy Egypt. That means this was even many years before Babylon's turn. So those sun, moon, the sun, the stars, and everything that would happen, that happened for Egypt, it, it will soon be time for Babylon to take their own road to it will happen to them, sun, moon, constellation everything will come down and everything that's what metaphorical 
for judgment. Are you following me? Okay, so it was Babylon that destroyed Egypt, of course, that that road happened. Um, Babylon destroyed Egypt. Okay, um, okay, so um, we have a, a good idea of that already. So let's move back to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Are we there? Verse 30. Matthew 24, verse 30. Are we there? It says, okay, now, so we, are, we, are, we have an idea of 20, 29. Is 29 clear already? Okay, about the stars fall from heaven, the moon will not give its light, the sun will be darkened, the power of heaven and earth will be shaken. You have an idea of that already, right? Now says what? Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Don't forget, start by saying what the sign of the Son of Man. The sign. Okay, now of the Son of Man. But just following, now says, then, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will, look at, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So how can you say this is not actually talking about the second coming of Jesus as well? This is my <laughs> Alright, but actually this use of word actually is also familiar in Hebraism. Okay, I'll show you one. Okay, it's also familiar in Hebraism. See Isaiah chapter 19. Okay, you see that what those, those uses of words, they are actually metaphorical for judgment. And they are family among the Jews. So the people he was talking to, just like he talked, said abomination of desolation, and they understood what he was talking about. That's the same way they, they understood what he was talking about here. Okay? Isaiah 19, are we there? Are we there? Verse 1. <laughs> this is the first, we have really we have gone beyond schedule already. And I don't think it would be safe for me to stop here. And to finish this. Isaiah 19, verse... One, are we there? Okay, look, I said what? The burden against Egypt. That means the prophecy about the destruction of Egypt. Right or right? Look, I said what? Behold, the Lord rides on a what? Can you see that? On a sweet cloud. That's about the second coming of Jesus. Even the first coming had not happened. Can you see that? Okay? And will come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt will totter his presence, and the heart of the people will melt, melt in the midst. So it is figurative for judgment. Okay, move back to Matthew 24. So let let me begin to watch from here. Okay, so verse 31 now says what? And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, um, from one end of heaven to the other. So this this actually just follows the line of thought. Okay, it is actually figurative of how those that survive it, that means the Jews that survive it, will be gathered together after the judgment of that nation. Are you with me? Okay, they will be gathered together after the destruction of that nation. Okay, look. Um, okay, look at look at the way Mark 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 put it in his, his own account. Okay, you see whether I talk about angels blowing trumpets and everything. Mark thirteen. This was are just metaphorical. Mark thirteen. Are we there? Verse twenty-seven. Let's be fast. Are we there? It says what? And then he will send his angels and gather together as elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of the heaven. There's no mention of trumpet, basically. Okay? Look at Luke's account as well. Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 27. Luke 21, verse 27. Are we there? Are we there? It says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. You've seen that. Now, when these things begin to happen, it says, Look up. And lifts up your heads, because your redemption draws near. 
Can you see? Can you see how we, how we, how we put it in his own account? Like we're talking about what that you look up their redemption drums day. That means what they have, their lives have been spared. Are you with me? Verse 36 now says what, um, wo- okay. Watch therefore and pray always that you are able, you are counted worthy to escape. Can you see that word? You see the word I used here? Escape all these things that will come to pass. Okay? Understand before, um, before the Son of Man. Okay? So you see that what he's talking about the fact that we're going to escape that, those, 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 um, calamities that were going to happen. Move back to Matthew 24 and let's begin to get better clarity even as we dig a little deeper and round off. Okay? Now, so, um, um, verse 32 now says that what now, that's what now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So it's trying to tell you that what, when you see that with a fig tree, the branch already become tender and the leaves already budding. They are already in springtime. That means they have, they know that summer is coming already. Are you following me? Okay. So now say that what, that's the same way, you know, that, that, that springing is a sign that summer is coming. Are you following me? Now say that what, so you also, when you see all these things, that means this sign that I've given you. Okay. Likewise, when you see these things, know that it is near at the doors. Can you see that? Can we verse 34 together, everybody? One to go. As surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Can you see that? So those things are going to happen in that generation. Okay? So so it's not talking about the second coming of Jesus. It was something that was fulfilled in 70 AD. Alright. Now that's that what heaven and earth, verse 35, will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. Away. Can you see that? So just like he said, um, what happened to the, the fig tree and everything. So, um, those, so just like what happened that you know that what Semi is coming, when you see those signs, those early signs that he has mentioned in verse, um, 5 to verse, um, 14, when you see those signs, those, those early signs, they should serve as what signals, okay, to you, okay, that this thing is already about to happen. Are you with me? Now that's for now says, but on that day and hour, Verse 36, no one knows, look to your Bibles, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But look at this, that says, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall be the coming of the son, the, the church also will the coming of the son of man be. For in the days, now please pay attention, I've explained it a number of times, because for as in the days, look at verse 37, when he's talking about the days of Noah, right? Verse 37 says, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. You're familiar with the story, right? Okay? Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until what happened? Until the flood came and what? Took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. That means that what happened to Noah in Noah's generation is, is what is just symbolic of what is going to happen. It's like it's typical of what is going to happen. What happened? He said that was busted. Pay attention so you don't miss this. But they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage, busted. Now they did not know until the flood came and what took them away. So that was so awesome that the coming of some man be. Talking about judgment now. That's it that would happen to them. It says, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. 
You know, we're always t- t- taking it, pay attention. We're always t- seeing it to look like rapture. That one will be taken, and one person will be left behind, and everything. And of course, we have seen many beautiful movies that help us to see that. But look at what he said. What happened? See that was, like what happened in the time of Noah? Pay attention, please. Look at me. Please look at me. Now, like what happened in the time of Noah? So also will be what will happen. What happened? Um, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until Noah entered into the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and what took them away. So in the time of Noah, who were people that were taken away? The unbelievers or the believers? So I said that what, what will happen is it's typical of what will happen. That what two men will be in the field. One will be taken away, one will be left behind. So who will be taken away? The unbeliever or the believer? Can you say it's the unbeliever that will be taken away? So those of you that are praying prayer that Father, let me be taken, let me be taken away when you come. No, I mean, I mean, I mean that I'm using, I, I don't mean, of course, we know that, we know the second of Jesus will be caught up in the cloud, but I mean, those of you that are using this text to pray, that you're going to be taken away, yeah, you all know. Okay, okay, now pay attention. Don't forget, you are said, look at, don't forget, you are said in verse, look, look at verse um, 40 again. It says, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Don't forget, I said earlier in verse 18, that was, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. So, 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 if one is taken, that means that one is not aware of this message, or maybe does not obey it, or something. But the one that will, that will be left behind is the one that what heeds it. Okay? So what, he will be left behind because what, he will obey the instruction and run to the mountain immediately. Are you following me? Okay? Look at the next verse, verse 41. It says, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taking the other left. Because once they see those, those signs like this, and they knew that the abomination of desolation is there, one of them, Already knows the instruction. Now we did that one. I go to the field. The other one will be saying, hey, I went to my house. Let me lock my door. Or something like that. Are you following me? Okay. So it just says, um, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. And you see that. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's talking about what the judgment of the Jews in 70 AD. Okay? The mass slaughter. The massacre. Are you with me? That's what the coming of the Son of Man implies in this context. We're able to see how it is common in Hebraism that those words, like the day of the Lord and all those things, we're not talking about, because even the first coming of Jesus had never happened in those times. Are you following me? Okay. So what happened actually as I begin to wind up is that was Jesus knew something. I want you to write this down because it's very salient. Jesus knew that as long as Israel refused to believe in him as their savior, they would keep looking for a political savior that would lead them to revolt against the Romans. That was exactly what was happening. Jesus knew that as long as they refused to believe in him as their savior. They would keep looking for a political savior that would lead them to revolt against the Romans and, and at the end would lead to their destruction. That's why before Jesus started, before the, uh, Jesus said about the temple will be destroyed and the, the disciples were asking that what, what would be the sign. He, what happened? He was lamenting over Jerusalem. Can you see that? And don't forget, before the lamentation over Jerusalem, he first started to um, reprimand the Pharisees and scribes for their what, hypocrisy and unbelief. They knew that as long as these people do not believe in him, they will keep, their mind will keep being on a political savior 
that we try to help them to revolt against um, Jew, um, the, the Romans, against Caesar. And what in the end is going to lead to their destruction. That's why Jesus was lamenting over Jerusalem. Does that make sense to you now? Okay. So this was fulfilled in 70 AD. So it's something you could read up, like I said. So this, I'm presenting that as another exhibit. Let me exhibit E. Okay. So as I begin to round off, is there any question? Okay. Let me round off with just one, one, one more text as a further proof that this is actually not talking about the second coming of Jesus, but about that, that thing that happened in 78. Look at what, look at, look captured some statements before his account in 21, in verse, two, in chapter 21. He had captured some of those statements in chapter 17 that are very salient to this. Now, as I said, don't forget, I told you that Luke who actually had a larger account than the others. So it was more detailed. Luke 17, verse 27. Oh, sorry, verse 22. Luke 17, 22. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, it says what verse, um, verse 22. I'm waiting for you. Are we there? Okay, it says what? Then he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. And you will not see it. Look, it says, and they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. Don't forget, it's looking like the instruction, right? Now it says, for as the lightning that flashes out of the one part of the heaven shines to the other part of the heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, he will suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. That's talking about his, his crucifixion and death that happened approximately 30 AD. About now, says, and as it was in the days of Noah, that familiar with what we saw, okay, says, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, he's taking them away, he's talking about destruction, okay. Now, says, likewise, also it was in the days of Lot, you remember Lot, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels that came and told you that well, they should leave there in time. The place is about to be destroyed. You remember, right? Okay. It says, they ate and they drank. Because even they had the opportunity to call the, his in-laws, the, the people that had betrothed his, his, his daughters. Okay. They told him and well, they look, it looked like a fool to them. They were laughing at him, jesting him and eating and drinking. Are you following me? So, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Can you see? That's talking about unbelief too. Can you see that as a sign? Even so, it would be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay? Look at it. says that it would be in the day the Son of Man is revealed. Now, I want to take this as a kind of litmus test. Is he actually talking about the second coming of Jesus or judgment of 7080? Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, when the Son of Man is revealed, he who is on the house top and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. So, is that, it's not talking about, so that coming of the Son of Man or the revealing of the Son of Man is not talking about the revelation of the Son of Man, it's not talking about the second coming of Jesus. Because if he comes, who wants to be having time to be going into house top or coming down? It's going to come and those that are, are, are children of God will go with him. Are you following me? Okay? But this is not talking about that. So that was, in that day, he was on the house top, look at your Bibles, and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Look at verse 32. Remember Lord's wife. 
Can you see that? So that, that gives you an idea of what happened. That Lot's wife was thinking about her possessions that they left behind. That was why she looked back. Can you see that? Okay? So it's, that's why I said that what well, is on the housetop and you have things in your house. Forget about those things. Your life is more precious. Let's go. Okay? Remember Lot's wife. That says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. What it means is that what? If you are trying by your own wisdom that, ah, I'm saving. If I enter one of my own house, like I don't knock the door, I do this, I do that. No. The instruction is to go straight to the mountain. Okay? Because it looks like it looks like a dangerous thing. How will you say that you flee to the mountain? It looks like you are more open to something there, but that is how you can preserve your life. And that's the word. I tell you, verse 34, in that night, there will be two men in one bed, and one will be taken and the other left. I've explained that already. Once they see those signs, one will just leave, the other will, will look for his own way. Two men will be going together, the one will be taking the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taking the other left. Look at, and they answered and asked and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So he's talking about what slaughter. Can you see that? I'm not talking about what a quote unquote rapture or the second coming of Jesus. So if that's clear so far, let me see your hands. So, ah, so see that Bible study is labor, is laborious. Okay? So, um, now, and going moving back to our focus, which is verse um, 13, that says that in the idea to the end that we shall be saved, that we saw in Matthew 10. So, with all so far, what the uh, plaintiff has presented to us, has it succeeded in convincing us that a believer or that we can lose our salvation? Huh? Okay. So, so for now, so for now, we cannot lose our salvation to further notice. Let's wait for the, for the, uh, let's wait for the, um, for the plaintiff to keep bringing so many. For, from next week, we will continue with more. With more. For example, we'll, we'll, the one we're moving to next is what the parable of the um, ten virgins. Okay? From there, we're moving to the, to the, um, the sheep and the goats. That's in Matthew 25. That's what the sheep will be on one side, go to one side. I said that was the sheep, when I was naked, you fed me, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. I said, why do we do this? I want you to, if you did it to one of them, you, then you did it to me. So, so it doesn't mean that if I didn't give beggar money, I will, I will, I will be destroyed and other things. I know many places, we will look at Luke as well, that says, uh, Luke 9, that says that what, either lays hands on the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Um, John 15, that says that what, um, every branch in me that bear not fruit, it take it away. You know, then from there we'll be moving to the, to, to um, the epistles from Romans, like, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, many things like that. We'll be seeing everything together by the special grace of God. So how many of us are, are glad to be, to be, to be here? How many of us are glad to, to be here? Hallelujah. Can you just bless God? Can you just bless God for, for the revelation of His Word? Bless God. Hallelujah. Salabato shilabate. Oh, glory to Jesus. Oh, glory to God for the revelation of His Word. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory to God.